Would you pray for, with me and for me as we turn to God's word? God, we thank you for, for the Bible, for the stories that are in it that speak to us about your great story, about how you created the world from your love, how we wandered away from you, but you never gave up on us and called a people and called individuals great and, and small and how you sent your son and your spirit to bring about your work of redeeming our lives and all of creation. And so we, we thank you today for this, this one story that we're going to listen to today about a woman named Naomi and a woman named Ruth and how you knew them and saw them in their hurt and pain and distress and how you were at work in their lives as they responded to you and to one another. And so, God, I pray that their story today would be an encouragement and a challenge to us wherever each one of us are. God, I pray that it would lead us to deeper reflection on the Christmas story that we are preparing to celebrate. God, I, I pray that you would speak uh, through me and to me as we hear your word today. Amen. So at the beginning of the year, we dove into the book of Judges. Do you remember that? Book of Judges. And the book of Judges covers about 350 years in Israel's history. And if you remember, it was a very dark time uh, politically and spiritually. Throughout the book of Judges, Israel is constantly under a threat by the nations around them, often being oppressed by one leader of those nations or another. And spiritually, we see that over and over again, Israel uh, wanders away from God, wanders away from his purposes for them. Uh, they forget their calling to be God's people in the world. And uh, the book of Judges then focuses um, on this cycle that we see in Israel's history. Of, of God sending a deliverer to them and for there to be some renewal and some repentance for a season and then them forgetting God, wandering away from him and then experiencing some sort of, of tragedy or famine or oppression from some other foreign leader. And then God raises a, a deliverer up again and he, he sets them free for a time. But it's this cycle that we saw throughout um, that time in the book of Judges. And the book of Judges really focuses on the leaders during that time. We learned about uh, Ehud, that left-handed assassin who went and, and killed the King Eglon. Uh, we learned about, about Deborah, who was one of the wisest leaders that Israel ever had. Um, and stories about leaders like Gideon and Jephthah and Samson. And the characters in the book of Judges are really... They're kind of larger-than-life sort of characters. They're, they're, they're celebrities. They were popular leaders, and they were leaders who often did very good things. In most of the situations, again, the people of Israel were being oppressed by some outside nation, and this judge would come on the scene, and God would empower them to deliver the people and to help them overthrow Israel's oppressor. But we also saw in the book of Judges that these leaders often led Israel astray. And even when their leadership brought some repentance or some renewal, we saw that that renewal didn't last very long. It, it didn't stick. It didn't stay. And the book of Judges ends 
in utter disaster. The people of Israel are in a civil war, and the behavior of the people of Israel is actually worse than all of the nations around them. Well, today we're going to look at the book of Ruth, and the book of Ruth begins with these words. In the days when the judges ruled. So we're going back to this time in Israel's history here in 2022. We're kind of bookending our our year, beginning in this time, these days when the judges ruled. But the book of Ruth, even though it's set at the same time, it cannot be any more different than the book of Judges. The book of Ruth doesn't tell us anything about who is in political power at that time. It doesn't tell us anything about who the judge is at this time or what other foreign nation was in control of Israel at that time. The the writer of the book of Ruth doesn't seem to care about those things at all. Instead, the book of Ruth zooms in and tells us a story about one family. And rather than focusing on the political or military leaders during this time, it tells us about how God was at work among the very ordinary, the very common, the very mundane circumstances of this one family. And the book of Ruth tells us about how God's great work and plan comes about very simply because people were kind to one another. The book of Ruth tells us about how God's great work and plan comes about very simply because people were kind to one another. As followers of Jesus, maybe especially here in the United States, one of the things that we have to resist is the idea that worldly power and fame is the only way that God moves in the world. That the only things that really matter are things that show up on television or on our social media feeds. That those are the things that really matter. And that what's clear in the scriptures is that God's work is most often quiet and hidden. During the Christmas season, we remember that God came very hidden as a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem. Nobody in the world was singing Silent Night on that night. They didn't know what was happening in that manger. It was quiet. It was hidden. Nobody saw what was happening. Everyone was concerned about what Caesar Augustus was doing, moving everyone around, making them go to the census. But nobody knew that God had showed up in the world in a way that he never had before. And then this baby grows up and he lives his life as a homeless, wandering rabbi and died on a Roman cross. And while we remember that day very well, very few people noticed that some homeless Jewish rabbi was hanging up on a cross that day. Very few people noticed In Jesus' own teaching, he tells us to consider small things like lilies and sparrows. One time, Jesus pointed out that there was this one widow who gave just one little coin, the very last that she had, and he turns to his disciples and he says that this woman, with giving this, this one little coin, has given more than all of the other philanthropists that came in that day giving from their wealth. Jesus was concerned about small and hidden things. It says that those are the things that were great. From time to time, Jesus did speak to groups of thousands of people, but most of the time he spent with these 12 common 
dudes who had no influence in society at all. And it seemed that more often than not, whenever a crowd did start forming around Jesus, he would say things to them like, you have to take up your cross and die. And crowds tend to leave when you start saying those kinds of things. At one point, Jesus taught a parable that said that the kingdom of God, that is, that place where God rules and reigns, the kingdom of God, where, where what God says is important is actually important. He says that the kingdom of God is like yeast that is hidden in a batch of dough. Yeast is small. It's very small. And in fact, once you begin to knead it into the dough, it disappears completely. You can't see it with your eyes. It's a small and hidden thing, but that small and hidden thing is doing good work. It's expanding and and it's growing. And that yeast hidden in that batch of dough makes it possible for us to enjoy something as wonderful as bread. Jesus describes the kingdom of God as a small and hidden thing in the world, but a small and hidden thing that is doing a great and powerful work even when we can't see it. Maybe even especially when we can't see it. And this principle, this idea of God at work in small and hidden things is one of the main themes in the book of Ruth. In the next few weeks, we're going to unpack the book of Ruth, and we're going to make some important connection between the story of Ruth and the story that we are celebrating here in this Christmas season. The book of Ruth is a story where we see very clearly that the parable of the yeast in a batch of dough is true. In the book of Ruth, God is at work in a very yeasty sort of way, in a very quiet, hidden sort of way. In this small little book that's tucked in between the book of Judges with all of these big, larger-than-life leaders and the book of Samuel, which is the story of the rise of King David, in between those two books that talk about those important leaders in history is this little story of Ruth that tells us about how God takes the kindness and seemingly unimportant actions of common people And he brings about his purposes in the world. Turn with me to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. So these first two chapters gives us the setting of the story, and these first two verses tell us that it was a terrible time in Israel's life. First, the narrator tells us that it was the time of the judges, and we've already heard today that that was a very dark time in Israel's history already. But on top of that, there is also a famine in the land. And here in these first two verses, we have our first connection with the Christmas story. Did you notice that? Where were Naomi and Elimelech from? They were from Bethlehem. 
Bethlehem means the city of bread. And that's ironic because they are in a famine. There's no bread in Bethlehem. There's no bread in the city of bread. And since there's no bread in Bethlehem, Elimelech believed that it would be best for his family to move away from Bethlehem, away from their own people, and to move to another place looking to just survive. And so Elimelech goes to Moab, which, by the way, is enemy territory. In the book of Judges, we found out quite a few times that Israel and the Moabites were often fighting against one another. But Elimelech believes that this is best for his family. And so he and his family become immigrants, and they move away from Bethlehem to Moab. And in verse 2, we learn about the state of mind of Naomi and Elimelech at this time. This couple had two sons, and the names of their two sons are very interesting. The names of their sons are Malon and Kilion. I want to tell you that when Katie and I were considering names for Abraham, Malon and Kilion were not on the list. Malon means sickness. Kilion means death. Sickness and death. That's what Elimelech names his two sons. These are people who are in despair. They are living in the time of judges and in a famine, and now they are in a land that is not their own. And unfortunately, the story gets worse. Verse 3. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. And after they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Five verses, and we are in a great tragedy. This is not a happy story. We have a family who are immigrants moved to Moab in a, a land they do not know, and all of the men die, and we're left with three widows, Naomi, a very old woman, Orpah and Ruth, two young Moabite women who are now all alone. It's important to understand that in this culture that uh, women did not only have to grieve the loss of their husbands, but with the loss of their husband, they also lost their livelihood. Women had very few ways in order to, to make money. And if, um, if a husband died, then they were usually left with uh, whatever other family could take care of them. And if they didn't have any other family, which Naomi does not have any other family in this place in Moab, they were literally left to the mercy of other people. In this situation, Naomi is especially in trouble. Ruth and Orpah, they're younger. They have some hope. They might be able to remarry, but Naomi is a person without any hope at all. She is a stranger living in a strange land. So there was no reason for the people in Moab to care about her at all. Not only that, Naomi is too old to find another husband, which means she's too old to have children, which means she will not have anyone to care for her. Her daughters-in-law don't have any children, so she really has no hope that her grandchildren will care for her either. Naomi is in a place of despair. And she says here in the next few verses that she believes that even God has abandoned her. Verse 6. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. 
With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried until then? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. She's a woman without hope. Can you feel Naomi for a moment in a strange land her husband has died her sons have died she's hungry she's an immigrant she's lost she has no place to go so much so that she believes that God's hand is against her but what we are going to find out in the next few chapters of the book of Ruth is that Naomi was wrong. God's hand was not against her. God sees her. God is going to use then the kindness and courage of her daughter-in-law, Ruth, to bring about his blessings in her life. And the story of Ruth is a story of God's amazing work that happened because Ruth shows kindness to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Listen to Ruth's actions and her courage. Verse 14 They wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. Naomi says to her daughters-in-law, be reasonable. You're still young. Go back to Moab. You can find husbands. You can still make it. Naomi says to her daughter-in-laws, save your own life. Don't worry about me. And one of them does. Orpah, in tears, returns to Moab. She does the reasonable and the wise thing. And we never hear from her again. But Ruth doesn't do what is reasonable. Instead, Ruth loses her life for the sake of Naomi. She commits her life to Naomi. She says to Naomi, I am going to stay with you. I am going to leave my home. I am going to leave my family. I am now going to become an immigrant and go to your home. When Katie and I lived in in Vancouver for nine years, we had an opportunity to meet lots and lots and lots and lots of immigrants. Most of the people in our church were either immigrants themselves or children of immigrants. And so we heard a lot of immigrant stories. 
And the reason that people always immigrate from one place to another is because they're hoping for a better life. And probably not even hoping for a better life for them, but hoping for a better life for their children. And the life of the, because the life of an immigrant is really, really hard. You don't go to another country and have to learn the language and have to learn all of the, the different things and to, to learn how to be a stranger and learn how to eat different food and to pay with different money. You don't do all of that unless you're really desperate and want to find a better life than you have. But in this story, Ruth chooses to become an immigrant for a different reason. She doesn't become an immigrant for a better life. She becomes an immigrant at the, worst, at the risk of having a much worse life. But she does it for the sake of Naomi. She commits herself to Naomi. She attaches herself to Naomi so completely that she is willing to go and to die with her. Ruth displays remarkable courage and kindness in her actions toward Naomi. The Hebrew word for kindness is hesed. Hesed. And this word is used many times throughout the book of Ruth. This idea of hesed is a kindness that is not at all like a random act of kindness. And hesed is not just being nice to someone being pleasant or courteous or polite. Hesed is deeper and more significant than that. Hesed is an intentional act of kindness where you are committing yourself to that person for the long term. Ruth's actions toward Naomi are described as hesed. The easy and reasonable thing would have been to go back to Moab, but Ruth stays with Naomi. She commits herself to her, commits um, even though she um, is going to have a difficult time becoming an immigrant and going back, going to Bethlehem, to a new home. Ruth loses her life for Naomi. Her love for Naomi require, it causes her to sacrifice everything to stay with this old woman who has no hope. She sacrifices everything to go to Bethlehem, a strange land. She loses her life for Naomi. We also see in this story that Ruth commits herself to Naomi's God. Wherever you go, I will go, and your God will be my God. As Ruth commits herself to Naomi, she's also turning her back on the gods of Moab and committing herself, binding herself to the God of Israel. And when Ruth does this, we're going to see in the next few weeks that God shows up in her life in a very real way. Ruth gives up her life, but in giving up her life, she finds it. The kingdom of God is like yeast that works in a batch of dough. The kingdom of God is hidden work. The kingdom of God is like a young woman who sees an older, desperate woman in need and binds herself to her. Ruth and Naomi literally are nobodies. No one in the world knew about Ruth and Naomi. No one saw Ruth on the outskirts of Moab insisting on going with Naomi to care for her. 
Ruth had no idea that her story was ever going to be told. Ruth simply made a decision to be courageous and to act out of kindness and love and faith by attaching herself to Naomi. There were no lights. There were no news reporters, no news stories about it. Ruth didn't put her story on an Instagram feed so that everyone could see how kind she was to Naomi. And that's really the whole point. Ruth wasn't trying to be a hero at all. She was just trying to be kind. This is the yeast-like way of the kingdom of God. There is no human reason that we should be talking about this story 3,000 years later. But here we are. In the story, Ruth, without any need for recognition shows kindness to an old woman named Naomi. She cared for her and gave her life up for her. And when she acted in that way, God moved and acted in their life and brought good for them and for all of us. Because do you know how the story of Ruth ends? For those of you who don't know the story, this is your spoiler alert. You can close your ears, you can walk out, you can read it later, but this is... How the book of Ruth ends. Naomi and Ruth eventually find their way to Bethlehem, and eventually Ruth meets a man named Boaz, and we'll learn more about Boaz in a couple weeks. And Boaz shows kindness, Hesed, to Ruth and to Naomi, and Ruth and Boaz get married. And then this is what happens at the end of the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a Redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, And who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. And the woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. In this story, God uses the kindness of Ruth toward Naomi and later the kindness of Boaz toward Ruth and Naomi to bring about his purposes. Through this family, God brings King David, the greatest king that Israel ever had. God takes their quiet and unassuming actions of kindness of Hesed, and they become like yeast in Bethlehem. Those hidden actions of kindness and self-sacrifice begin to work like yeast in the life of Israel at this time. The book of Judges focused on these big and powerful and glamorous sorts of leaders. And God did use them for his purposes for a particular time. But the book of Judges ends in an absolute utter disaster. The work of the Judges didn't stick. It didn't stay. It didn't take root. 
But Ruth tells a different story about how God's action takes root in the world, the way that God brings about his ultimate salvation in the world. God's ultimate salvation was never going to happen through the hands of people like Gideon and Jephthah and Samson. God's work of salvation comes through the hands of Ruth. The good news of the gospel comes through Ruth. The good news comes through the hidden, yeast-like actions of Ruth in her kindness toward Naomi. God, through her actions, brings about salvation to the whole world. The book of Ruth ends by telling us that Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David. And that's significant for us as followers of Jesus because we know that King David is the ancestor of the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of promises made to King David, who God said that the Messiah would come through your line, David. So Jesus, our Lord, came through the line of Ruth to David, to Jesus. Jesus, our Lord who was born in the little town of Bethlehem, the city of bread. It took took the hidden acts of kindness, the yeast of the kindness of Ruth, for the bread of life to be born in Bethlehem. At the beginning of the story, there is no bread in Bethlehem. But the end of the book of Ruth points to a time when Bethlehem would be restored as the city of bread. The little town of Bethlehem, the city of bread, becomes the birthplace of Jesus, the Messiah. The bread of life for the whole world. Amen? Amen. God, thank you for this good story. We thank you for the ways that now, 3,000 years later, we can see your hand in it. Lord, we do not know how our quiet faithfulness, how our hidden kindnesses, how the work that you call us to do in the world that no one else sees, we do not know how you are at work in them. But we believe in this story that you really are. And so I pray for men and women here today who may feel today like Naomi, who may feel like the circumstances in their life have become so hard, so difficult, their pain is so real, their suffering is so present with them that they feel like your hand is against them. Lord, I pray that they would know that like Naomi, that you are for them and that you want to do your good work in their life today. God, I pray for each one of us who want to serve you, want to be faithful to you, want to love our neighbors well. God, I pray that we would be like Ruth and that our works of kindness and generosity, our our hidden prayers, the works that we do would not be so that the whole world sees, but simply so that you will see, so that you will know and that you will be able to do your work through it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.